This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello everyone, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, <laughs> brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, just by the skin of our teeth. I am Cami Black. Joining me this evening, uh, we have Lisa Martin. Good evening, Lisa. Bonjour. That's a lovely top you've got on as well, Lisa. We'll come on to that later. <laughs> We've also got uh, Craig Manson. Hello, Craig. Bonjour. Ça va? And, and, and on his own tonight, um, the, the one lone Glasgow voice in the room, so let's see how the agenda goes. <laughs> It's Johnny McGinty. Hello, Johnny. Is he frozen there? He's just waving. He froze a little bit there. I wasn't sure whether he was just absolutely furious that he, uh, John Anderson's left him in the lurch <laughs> to preview a European, Glasgow European game. With, I'm, I'm not with, curious with some... about that, as I, about the fact that somebody has got a Toulon top on. Don't know who yeah. that could be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on. We'll, we'll preview. We'll get around to previewing Glasgow probably about five minutes from the end of the podcast, Johnny. Don't worry. It's fine. We'll give it the time it deserves. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got all that anyway, stuff watch- to talk about right enough. We have. We've got lots of Ember stuff to talk about. It's been yeah. filling my inbox with all sorts of uh, all sorts of news. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment. So, any of you watching us live, we're on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Um, we broadcast live every week, normally Thursday nights. Um, you can also get an audio version of the podcast. If you don't want to look at us while you listen to us, you can just listen to our lovely voices. And that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts these days. Um, we've um, We've got a fair bit of news to get through. Um, Craig, let's start with Edinburgh because there's no big news okay. uh, happening in Glasgow way this week. We'll we'll maybe uh, give them some some time later on in the pod. Um, the big news from Edinburgh, the, the Ember announced their squad for the for the next for next season. Yeah, somewhat. It seems a little bit prematurely given the season's barely only finished and they haven't got a coach. Yeah, I, I, and you know, I, I think it's a little bit of um, well, we just they just they just opened up the season ticket sales as well to current season ticket holders. You so, cynic you, Craig Manson. Are you not suggesting for a second that they've announced their squad in order to drive up season ticket sales, are you? What I'm probably cynically saying is that they've announced the, the squad at the same time as the season ticket tickets go on sale to season ticket holders, current ones, because they are concerned that we're all going what the hell's going on, and um, and we're not going to renew our season tickets until we actually know what's you know who's going to be coaching us and what sort of team we've got uh, together. And so I think it's been a little bit of oh, let me let me have a couple more beers, and I'll be like, oh no, it's all sunshine and light. But I think that's more <laughs> a fact of um, they're, they're kind of being a little bit um, hedging their bets a little bit, maybe. Yeah, and and Lisa, I think the big surprise was. For and I don't, we don't know who's made this decision, but Blair Kinghorn is still a fly half, and we thought that was over. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one to still have on the cards, but maybe they're just kind of pushing it to see once eventually a head coach comes in, maybe they can make a decision. But maybe Steve Diamond's like, yeah, we'll still stick him at 10. We'll keep that going. Um, but yeah, you never know. The squad being out might be another little um, taster to put out to potential head coaches. They'll be like, here, this is a squad you could have. Please apply within. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But do you think um, Blair Kinghorn at 10 is going to be a, an incentive for many coaches, Johnny? Don't try and goad me. Because I'm very <laughs> diplomatic about Blair Kinghorn. All right. Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, I actually think with the way that the SRU setup works and things, um, it's a really strange thing to list if they're trying to do it to attract coaches because I think we probably all expect that at the end of the World Cup when Hoggy retires that, that Blair Kinghorn is going to be Scotland starting 15. So you've got to think that whoever comes into Edinburgh head coach, whether they want him to be 10 or not, is going to be getting pressure from across the road from Gregor Townsend and his coaching staff to say, no, he's a 15 now. He's he's Scotland starting 15 and he will be playing 15 whether you like it or not. So, yeah, if you're trying to attack, attract the coach by listing him at 10, it's not really going to work, I don't think. Yeah. And and Craig, in terms of a coach, are you worried that we that Ember still don't have one? I mean, do we know, do we even know if Mike Blair is leaving or not? No, there's nothing. Um and I've not heard anything. Maybe some of my fellow um, Edinburgh um, season ticket holders, etc., and fans will, will be able to tell us, but I've not heard that. There's, that the SRU are eerily quiet, um, and that's, I guess, why the um, maybe that's why they've, they've uh, put out the, the, the squad or the update and they've put Grant Gilchrist out telling everyone to buy a season ticket and, and, and how he's uh, proud to be captain and this, that, and the other, which... <laughs> I have no doubt about, um, but I think it's it's just one of those situations where we don't really have any news on coach, and you know what happens in a void. If there's a void, things get people come up with crazy nuclear takes. So um, maybe they're trying to be careful. Yeah, I mean, Steve Diamond's an interesting. One. I think that there is a suggestion, Lisa, that he's going to carry on into the next season a little bit and maybe kind of see things through or certainly hang around for, for a wee bit until, until a new coach comes in. He's got, I mean, for all people, nobody laughs at Steve Diamond. I don't want him phoning me up like he phoned up uh, Robbie Owen and, and uh, <laughs> unannounced once. Um, but people kind of, you know, people joke about like with his brusque nature and some of the runs he's had with journalists, but he has had consistency with sale and done a good job at sale it's maybe not kind of they're not regularly at the top of the prem but they're certainly not been in trouble is that something i mean do, do you think steve diamond could come in and do a job or do you think kind of with cock you know we've already had that kind of figure in, in richard cockerel and they maybe need something different um it's hard to say because you, you see the way that um Murray McCallum and, and a lot of the Worcester boys have spoken to him about him before and stuff and have said how excited and good that he is to be to work with. Um, so he is, I mean, he's a good person to have around as to what, how that's going to work when someone comes in. Are they going to have a bit of a crossover? Is it a bit of a handover? It's an odd situation because you've never really heard of this happening elsewhere or ever before. So I feel it's a bit kind of like fumbling in the dark and we'll just see what happens. But I think... I think he's different from Cockrell in terms of maybe not his coaching style, but I think his man management. Um, 
you hear some absolute horror stories of Richard Cockrell in meetings and what he's calling boys and and just his general language. And I think in in any, in any other industry, I think he would have had you know a, a weekly meeting with HR penciled in. Um, so <laughs> I'm happy to see Steve Diamond is probably a bit better than that. But it, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of it because. How, as a player, how would you feel knowing that, oh, here, this guy's going to take us pre through pre-season for the next however long and then may or may not stick on in some sort of capacity, but he's not going to be a head coach. So do I listen to him as a head coach? Or, it, nah, I don't really know, to be honest. I, that was a complete faff of an answer, but get something out of it as no, you will. Well, really. I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing, though, is it's a, it's a faff of a situation, Johnny, that we've got, we've got Steve Diamond coming in and galvanising the boys, but that's that's all well and good. That's my Steve Dallas. My my tip. I was going to say, is, is, he from, is he from Wheels? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to phone you up and tell you that's not what he sounds like. <laughs> Sales almost in Wales. Ah, yeah, thought so. Nearly. Um, <laughs> but I mean, to, I mean, I, I can see both ways. He does, as, as Lisa said, Johnny. He, he does clearly have a very galvanising effect on the squads that he coaches, and in the players always hold him in high regard. And to a certain extent, maybe that's what Ember need to feel more like. A, they've done a lot of work behind the scenes. We can, as much as we laugh about the gazebo uh, that they play in, that there is more of a club feel around Ember now that they've got their own home, and maybe they need a figure like that to come in and and and, and bring that sense of a club without the kind of Richard Cockerell, you know, do as I say or, or jump kind of thing. Yeah, and like. Like Lisa says, the stories about him in sort of the last days of Worcester in particular um, are great and, and kind of really inspirational, you know, the way he steered everyone through that. And I'd be interested to see how it works with not as much adversity. Like Edinburgh being crap last year is not the same as Worcester getting wound up. Do you know what I mean? And and so it would be good to see them have a bit of club spirit, but but the club spirit that Steve Diamond's brought to his last couple of clubs has been a sort of like, everyone's against us, uh, everything's going terribly, we're just going to fight it out because this could be our last chance sort of uh, type thing. And it's not like that for Edinburgh. It, it really is just like, we were thinking last year we need to be better this year. And that's everyone a different is. sort of motivation. Everyone is against. Oh yeah, and, and everyone's definitely. Everyone's definitely. Everyone against else. Everyone I think is. both. I was going to say that the entire kind of Glasgow and Edinburgh fan bases and clubs are built on the whole thing that they think that each other's discriminated against by the SRU and doesn't get enough funds. So that's the whole. <laughs> the whole basis of Scottish pro rugby is based on the fact that yeah, neither side in the thinks Glasgow that case no is true though. <laughs> And Edinburgh fans, although to be fair, great, you do have too many scrum halves now, surely. I mean, you've got Scott, although Scott's still signing on as a back row. Well, you know, he's he's a, he's a utility player, quite quite like a, someone who'll uh, cross between the. He's a bit like Johnny. Um, he'll cross between the, the the yawning gap that is the forwards to the backs. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think it's I'm I'm more concerned, and but well. Maybe it's concerned, maybe it's a little bit nervous, maybe it's excitedly nervous, but it may be that you find Richard Cockrell stays on and takes on the, um, for the next year or so, and takes on the, the whole director of rugby role. Um, and then you've got Mike Blair who runs the team um, and coaches the team. And so, because Mike, the only thing that, that Mike Blair kind of said that he may 
that he said in his interviews that that may put may not have you know have that happen is the fact that he hated the the telling someone that they weren't in the squad that week. Um, so it's it's an interesting one because I, I don't see where where the coach comes from. Um, or the coach that we want or we feel we deserve comes from now at this point in the season, unless uh, Michael Checker is going to take on a, a fifth team to coach uh, all at the same time, you know. Um, so I, I just I'm I'm, un, I'm unsure. So unless the plan is to wait to see who. Who, who yeah. does badly at the World Cup and try and get a big name? <laughs> who gets fired at <laughs> the World first, Cup? Who gets, who gets fired after the first round? Work, we'll have them. <laughs> the, the oh no, it's going like... to be Gatland. No. <laughs> <laughs> this time last season, like we didn't think that Franco Smith was the coach that we deserved. Like I remember sitting here yeah. in June of last year going, what is going on? How have we ended up with Franco Smith? I thought we were getting a proper coach. And we are now 24 hours out from a European final. So, um, you know, the, co- the coach that you want or the coach you think you deserve is is not always the coach you need, I would say. They're not getting Ryan Wilson in as a coach, though. That was a very subtle Batman joke there. For <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah. Lisa, if we ever I think Batman and... would be a great coach. <laughs> Have we ever established your loyalties to, to either one of the pro sides on the podcast yet? I know you're wearing a too long top tonight, which, which um, might give us a clue. Um, no, I'm kind of, I'm Edinburgh born and, bra- born and raised, and um, I have a few good friends who play for Edinburgh, so I feel if I went to Glasgow, I'd probably get shunned and To win stuff, by all them. watch playoff games, enjoy yourself, all those watch things. The, watch, watch the French mince you. Great, great fun. Hey, I went, I went to the Toulon game where Edinburgh won. It was a delightful experience. This is a memento. I'm, I was there, yeah. I'm reminiscing about the time a Scottish team beat Toulon, so that is the reason I'm wearing the top. Yeah, of course. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Edinburgh, Edinburgh through and through. It's fine. I, some I'm, reason. I'm completely apathetic. I'm just side with whichever one's more funny to me at the time of recording the podcast and, and Johnny, Johnny's on his own Johnny's Reavers. on his own tonight what did you say Johnny you're always upset about the border reavers I am I'm still still not over the border reavers going <laughs> that's it that was after that pro rugby was dead to me <laughs> <laughs> um okay look we've got we've had we've had our first complaint of the evening and we've got somebody saying that we're you know we're spending too long speaking about Embra and not enough time talking about the fact that Glasgow are in a European final. So I don't know, have we talked much yet about um, the Rugby World Cup referee selection? Have we done that in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> we haven't really, no, no. No. What were, Lisa, I mean, it's it's a strange selection. A lot of people on kind of Twitter are saying that there's obviously Joy Neville's in there as a TMO. It feels a little bit like, well, not a little bit, it is a missed opportunity to not have more female representation given the number of female referees now refereeing international men's matches. The fact that I think there's a suggestion that Holly Davidson's potentially going to end up refereeing in the WXV one, two, or three, which will run kind of rough, run I think towards the end of the World Cup or towards towards the end of it, won't it? But that feels like a huge missed opportunity for World Rugby to 
like even even as touch judge is not to have more more representation when we already we already have it. Yeah, I think it massive is. I mean, you you look at the the female referees who, who have been flourishing and really at the top of their game, and obviously Holly's up there. You got Sarah Cox is up there as well, and for them not to be involved, even like you say, even in an AR sort of a role, is a massive missed opportunity. I get that obviously WXV is happening around about the same time. But then why don't we just grow the base of really good, high-level, high-quality referees through that and then let the top ones keep progressing so it builds that path for them to continue to follow on to? Um, I, I think it is a little bit short-sighted of them to just you know only have Joy doing a TMO sort of role. Um, there is more. There should definitely be more opportunities for the women in there because I think they've earned, earned their spot. And you even speak to some of the guys who have had these have had Holly and, and Sarah as referees and they all sing their praises saying well actually you know what we knew exactly where we stood they spoke really well with us and you know what they refereed the game really well um so I think they does I think they more than deserved an opportunity and a shot to be part of that refereeing team um it just unfortunately now we have to wait another four years to see if that that changes again yeah I mean Johnny it's not some of the names on the list you look at it and you go, just you know, looking at the names, it's it's inarguable that the 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 like Sarah Cox and Holly Davidson are are better candidates and 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 run games better than some of the 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 people that are going to the World Cup as 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 top profile referees. Yeah, like, and and it's not close either. Um, some of them. I think are there because they're people that have always refereed top level test matches, but that doesn't mean that they're good at it. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything really controversial with with Holly in the middle of the game. Um, like even when she sent somebody off at a World Cup final, everyone was a bit like, "Well, yeah, of course she did because it was a red card." Um, whereas I could pick three or four of the referees that are on that World Cup docket and, and could give you five games that they've done where they've made a hugely controversial and usually not very accurate decision. So why are they still getting these opportunities? I mean, oh, you... <laughs> I was deliberately trying not to name any, but that would be one of them, yes. Yeah. I... Craig, you're shaking your head. Yeah, because... You know, Holly Davidson not going, not going to the world, the, the World Cup, um, and then Carl Dixon, who thinks it's perfectly, perfectly correct that Sean Maitland can not only knee someone in the chest but also slam them in the face with his elbows and get oh, it was it's just a penalty, um, you know, it's, uh, and and continually forgetting his cards. He found his cards once, and I think, and then all of Exeter decided to um, want to throw him in the sea. But um, it's just, uh, Holly is one of the best referees out there. She should be out there. And I, I just feel it's uh, it's pretty rubbish. Sorry, that was me trying to stay in the fence, but it didn't work. <laughs> you tried. You tried your best. In, yeah. So in, in other news, um, we've, um, in a shock move, um, a, a white man with a background in financial services is now the chair of the Scottish Rugby Board. Who saw that one coming, Johnny? 
<laughs> I am as shocked as everybody else. I'm also going to have to go get another bottle of wine if you're going to carry on with this nonsense because we're, we're scraping <laughs> the barrel for you. Jo- see, the moment this is this is classic, Johnny. We we talk from we we bring up representation at senior level within Scottish rugby, and Johnny's like, I'm having none of that. I'm off for more wine. I'm not sitting here to this woke nonsense about having fair yeah. representation. I'm off for my wine. <laughs> yeah, going to have to go. You know exactly what you're doing. He puts, <laughs> he, he puts a hoodie on for the podcast. But he usually wears these uh, chinos. He's looking for. A, I've got chinos and a nice... poster on today, Craig. <laughs> he's, look, yeah. he's, he's looking for a cushy job at, at the SRU. You know, he's got his. Uh, he's excited to Glasgow fan, but his only Glasgow scarf is one of those posh tartan ones that the guys in the boxes wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back down the road and break my internet again. This is nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Johnny, let's talk about Glasgow. Is, it, is there a Glasgow game on Friday? Yes. We've got a European Cup final tomorrow night, Cameron. I don't know if it's passed by Have your you? attention. I mean, it's you the Challenge a, Cup, but it still counts. I was going to say, you say a European Cup final. Let's call it what it is, Johnny. What was like, it? What I've made my feelings about the Challenge Cup very Hang on, what was it, what was it when we were in the... I'm still excited. In the, uh, the semi-final... Um, what was it? It was the Diddy Cup, was it? The Diddy was Cup, it, that's uh... what John Anderson used to call it, wasn't it? When Ember yeah, won it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, I I don't feel much more highly about the Challenge Cup, but I am still excited. It's still a nice thing to be getting to do. So you get a star on your top, I understand. Leinster are very keen on this, to point this out today. <laughs> you get a wee star, and like, like, like being a good boy in school, when you get your star chart, you get a star on your shirt if you win a European Cup final. Do you, what do you get for the for the Challenge Cup final? It's like a little Mickey Mouse logo. <laughs> like the pin badges that Disney employees wear. Yeah. It's still a European reason. final. I don't Look, care. It's still the European final. Fine. Yes. Look, is the, to a certain extent, Glasgow kind of got stuck at quarterfinals in the big cup, in the proper cup. And I think this, this isn't me being horrible or mean to Glasgow, Johnny, but I wonder whether or not this will benefit Glasgow in getting to getting to a fight. I've done the URC finals, and and as you know, as, as as Andrew Porter says today, that they don't matter, right? Nobody cares about the Pro 14 or the URC finals. It only matters about stars in New Jersey. But getting to a final from a psychological point of view, longer term, I think will do Glasgow some good because they have had that kind of thing on the back of getting to quarterfinals and then getting knocked out by Saracen every season. Yeah, no, definitely. And I was actually thinking about this earlier, thinking about the URC and how much of an idiot Andrew Porter is. Um, because I think if if Glasgow had beat Munster in the quarterfinals, I don't think we'd have beaten Leinster last week because Glasgow view like Leinster, Saracens, Toulouse as just like teams that are a tier above us. And, and that's what we now need to work towards. Now that we have got to a final of the Challenge Cup. We need to start looking at the teams who are at the sharp end of the Champions Cup and think, think, you know, how do we go about beating them? And we don't have the sort of emotional edge that Munster did to go out and beat them last weekend. That's what we need to get to, is we need to start thinking about, like, these are the teams that we're competing with now, rather than the teams at the sharp end of the Challenge Cup. Like, it is exciting. I'm very pleased to be in the final. I'm looking forward to it. But beating the Lions, beating Scarlets, beating the Dragons to get to a final 
it's not the same as competing in games against Toulouse or Exeter or Saracens or Leinster or whoever. And that's got to be like, now that, now that Glasgow have proved that we can get to the top of the Challenge Cup and we can get into the quarters of the URC and, and that sort of thing, now we need to, to work out how we're going to prove that we can go another level above that. What does it do? I mean, yeah, you know, Lisa, you'll you'll probably been on a couple of cup runs. Kind of how does that kind of work psychologically to think to a team to get that far? Does that kind of give them a boost and 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 get get that kind of thought over the back of we're perennial quarterfinalists, so we can't get any further or progress? Yeah, I think it, it's like you said, it's, it's getting that monkey off the back of like here, we've we've earned this shot, we've earned this opportunity. It's now it's literally a case of now or never. Um they they literally have nothing to lose because they've you said they've never been in this position before. Um, so to be up against Toulon, who obviously, you know, you know their successes of years gone by. But again, they're they're also a team that maybe hasn't been the most successful in recent times either. Um, but I think I, I think Glasgow will be feeling massively confident. I know obviously I know they got beat by Munster, but maybe that was probably a, a good thing in a way, because you know, having that bit of a reality check of okay, right, we need to now kick on a little bit more. If we're going to be playing Toulon, who are a step above that, in a one-off European Challenge Cup final, it's maybe given them the edge that they needed in, in training up until now. Um, but I think, yeah, when you know it's a final, it's a whole different kettle of fish because you're riding on the emotions, you're riding on the fact of, you know, th- at the end of this, we could be lifting something and we could be doing something really, really special that no one else has ever done for this club. Um, so I think it's an exciting prospect to be the first in the history of that. So I think, yeah, it'll it'll hold a different sort of emotional charge, I think, going into it. It's in, I mean, it's interesting, Craig, we, from, from both Scottish pro sides, the, the, there has been a lack of consistency. You know, when you look at something like the... The Irish teams, for example, you know, the Glasgow won the the was a pro forty was a pro twelve at the time, was it? Pro fourteen, pro twelve at the time. Ember have hit a couple of you know have hit a couple of finals occasionally, kind of Europe Europe wise back in the day, but but neither sides really hit that level of consistency in the same way as the Irish teams, and it feels like that's that's the next stage we need to get to, whether it's the Challenge Cup or. Or, or or the or the the higher cup, the challenged cup, or whatever they call it, you know, the, the super cup. It doesn't matter. It's about it's about doing this more consistently rather than going from a finalist one year to mid table URC next year to being towards the bottom and then back up again. It, 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 both teams need to find some level of consistency where this is much more regular occurrence. Yeah, well, the, the, that's where they got to when it came to the Pro Twelve. Um, there were semi finalists. And finalists a couple of times before they won it, um, and and this the, that's where I've got to. And I think they've they've had a good start because I think Franco Smith has really brought in belief again to the squad. Um, because no matter what anybody says, it's I, I'm going to say this, and, and 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 please hear me out. It's not as maybe as rock star a squad as Edinburgh have, as in it's a it's a squad that have got very, very good players in it, a couple of couple of British and Irish Lions, etc. But Edinburgh have got this superstar squad that are meant to be playing everyone off the park and they're not. Whereas Craig, Glasgow 
Hang on. Is that you I, saying that the SRU do spend more on Edinburgh than Glasgow? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Maybe next season, you never know. Um, what, what we're finding with Glasgow, though, is that Glasgow are, are, have, have kind of come out of the, the depths of, of, of hell, I suppose, and gone, actually, we do believe we can do something. And they've, and, and, and they've, found a, they've, they've recruited quite well in that. They've brought in players that we didn't really expect to make a huge difference. You know, like... Bringing in Richie Gray now, no matter what anybody says about Richie Gray, Richie Gray is a phenomenal player when it comes to reading lineouts, um, uh, etc. But he was, everyone was kind of going, Why have they re signed Richie Gray? Is it not about time he was finished? He was retiring. Is he coming back to play for a couple of years at Glasgow just to hang his boots up and say he's back in Scotland? And all of a sudden, they've got this player who has looks like he's reinvigorated himself. And, and whether that's Franco Smith or whether that's the team that's around him. Um, or he's been allowed to fly a little bit and 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 and, and play as he wishes to play. He there seems to everything seems to have aligned. So if they win tomorrow, if they win tomorrow, it's an ideal sort of peak of the pyramid. The problem you have, and just as you've said, is 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 making sure that they continue to do that because obviously they're going to the European Cup next year, and European Cup. Dare I say, you know, look at Leinster; they've got. You know the clone, the clone. Uh, sorry, the the, the Borg um, square uh, cube behind them, and the, and and they've they brought out what they would say is a second string team, but the second string team team would probably beat everybody in their wake apart from a really fired up monster, um, and they expected to win. Glasgow don't have that, so <sighs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's we I don't know if we need more money in it or I don't know if throwing money at it is going to do the job. Um, we get into these old questions, don't we? Well, I think I mean you look at the Glasgow side that they've chosen, Johnny. I mean I think you've probably got what Fraser Brown, Jamie Batty. Um, I'm trying to look at some you know Matt the Ferguson brothers have obviously been around for a while, but it's a it, this is a fairly kind of new or a fresh. This isn't a, a Glasgow squad that's been around for a few seasons now. It, 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 there are kind of, although Hugh Jones has come back, it is kind of a, a more recent squad, and maybe that's been the problem in the past. That you know, you've had the likes of Ryan Wilson and these guys that have hung around for a while, and newer players haven't had the chance. So unlike Leinster, where they can, you know, they, they can bring somebody in from an academy and they slot straight in. They've almost got a conveyor belt of talent. But maybe Glasgow and, and to an extent Ember haven't done in the past is have a rebuilding cycle, a proper rebuilding cycle. They've tried to do the Leinster thing of we just carry on until you know, guys retire or we just move them or they, they move on naturally. And then the younger players don't get any exposure and they're all of a sudden expected to come and step in the squad. So I think maybe that's the thing that it's, it's, it's more of having that, that rebuilding cycle built into what we're doing rather than trying to replicate the, the Irish conveyor belt model. Yeah. And I think what Glasgow have done really well this season and particularly with tomorrow's team is it's a good mix of players that have been around for a while that know what the club's about, um, that are used to the sort of ethos, I suppose, of the club, with people that have that they've brought in and have have obviously gelled really well and and have bought right into it and, and kind of freshened it up a little bit. So somebody like Sione Vailanu is a really good example who's been phenomenal this year. Um and I think he kind of really came in quietly. Um, nobody was expected massive things from him, but he seems to have, have just like 
got stuck in straight away and, and bought right into the whole thing. Um, him, Matt Fagerson and Dempsey is a, is a great back row. Um, like a, a back row good enough to keep Rory Darge on the bench is, is quite something this year because even in, in losing to Munster a couple of weeks ago, he was brilliant. Um, so yeah, Vailano has been really good in sort of coming in, mixing in really quickly. Uh, Hugh Jones has come back in and kind of slipped straight back into what he was doing before. And then around them, there is people like Xander Fagerson, who's been around for ages, doing it for ages. Scott Cummings tomorrow will be really important. And they, it's a good mix of people who are kind of traditional Glasgow players who have been here for ages, who are getting to be the backbone of the team with new players who have come in and, and become really important really quickly. And Lisa, you've got your tool on top on, so um, I'm expecting you to know the, the full squad. I'll be testing you on it. I'm only joking. Um, it's uh... thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like that top was just a troll move or something. I knew, I knew all the important people. That was fine. I'd been practicing my French pronunciation, so we're all good. But just, just Sergio. <laughs> all I was going to, I was going to say all these, all, all the, the famous French names like uh, Alan Uesi, uh, Colby. <laughs> Paris Paris is almost there. I mean, it's Argentinian, uh, but um, it's not. Uh, I mean, bigger, it's, don't forget. Well, bigger, of course. That famous tomorrow. My, my most, my most important motivation for Glasgow winning tomorrow is to see Dan Bigger be sad. <laughs> that's not. That's just perennial Dan Bigger, though. <laughs> he always looks sad, apart from when he's winning. You know, apart from at the end of a game. But we'll, you know. We'll not, we'll not cast our minds back to those horrible memories. Um, it's not, but Lisa, I think the thing was Toulon, although you know they were once the kind of big European superpower and they had all the, the money, like the real Madrid of kind of world rugby, they've still got some pretty good, uh, it's still a pretty decent team that's lined up to me. You've got Chelsea and Colby, um, you've got Olivon, I mean, Matthew Bastereau. Who we 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 were saying on the group chat today? I thought he was still playing in France, and we don't know if he's listed as a prop or a centre. So that'll be interesting. Toulon is in France, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean America? I meant America. <laughs> but that's still. I mean, and Cornell Dupree's in there. Brian Allen Oasis in there. It's not a you know. Th- there's at least two players in there who will know Glasgow a little bit, although maybe in sometimes it's been in the Scottish system. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of familiarity there. Like like you said before, yeah, they used to have all the names and all the money in the world, but they've had to kind of go back and start from scratch. Like we said, that you know, Lentz are able to do it and that their academy set up and they're able to churn it out. They've had to kind of go back to that in certain aspects and actually rely a little bit more on their French players, like Bryce Seran and, and Gross coming in as well. Like they've, ha- they've had to go back to that because the money just isn't there anymore um, because of the, the push that, the French rugby union are having about you know we've we've got to be seen to be having more French players in squads, um, but they still have that little bit of, of stardust in there with like, going you say down that backbone of you know Parisi, Dan Bigger, Cheslin, Colby, to name just like three of them, and and they're going to be like very influential players. But I think they're they're going to have to play different from from what we've seen of, of Toulon and of old. But I think the, the biggest thing is it's going to be a battle of the back rows. Like like you know, Johnny said earlier, the, the Glasgow back row is very strong. And then to have someone like Rory Darge come off the bench, there's going to be no let off. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, 
the likes of, of Oliver and Cornel Dupree play with with Parisi as well, just you know, doing Parisi things and you know, being on a completely different plane of rugby compared to everyone else. And then completely change that up and probably have Bastard all slotting in in an umbre at some point as well. Um I think it'll be a very, very physical upfront battle, hence probably why Glasgow gone for the six two split, because they are expecting a bruising affair um up front. And you know, that's arguably where probably most of Toulon's strength is. So yeah, it's gonna be more of an upfront battle, which is probably not what we associate with Toulon. And that's, I mean, Craig, that's maybe the worry for Glasgow because that has been a problem for Glasgow in the past, that physicality in the front, in the forwards. That's where they've struggled with the likes of Munster in the past. They, they have kind of had a tendency to be bullied off the park. Yeah. You know, both Glasgow and Edinburgh are very similar in the fact that they, they want their, their back rowers to be hunters. Um, they, they obviously... We had the old adage of uh, the usual um, cry of the Scottish rugby fan that Matt Fagerson wasn't big enough to be a number eight and all this garbage. Um, now that Villalana is there, I think I'm hoping I said that correctly, um, he's going to give a lot of for- go forward along with um, the aged Australian. He's going to give a lot of uh, go forward as well. So, you know, Toulon are going to have their hands full. But on the other side of things, you've got, you know, Vier um, v- 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 is, is is back on the wing along with Colby on the other side. Now, if Bigger's smart enough, he's going to he's going to get the ball out to the out to the wings um, to 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 get these guys alight and see if they can they can um, they can do some damage to Glasgow. So, <laughs> I would fear the way I definitely fear. No matter what anyone says, I would fear Dan Bigger, and I'd also fear. Um, the two wingers um, on Toulon, on Toulon's uh, roster am as well. More scared of Gavin Villiers than I think of anybody else. Um, mm. Like Villiers, just one of these players where anything could happen. Um, and yeah, when when you're in a back three with Cheslin Colby, then you're probably never going to be the star attraction. But he scares me. It's, it's, it's their, just, their, it's their it's finishing right. ability is ridiculous. Like yeah. they get given a little chance, a little gap, they will take it and they'll make their their ability to make something out of nothing is let's say is utterly frightening as a defensive unit because you you cannot switch off and you can't give them little opportunities because they will literally just run riot. Yeah, I think Domingo Moyot is going to be really important. His kick has got to be absolutely on the money because is that. Is that Villiers and, and Colby, if you get an off-target kick, will punish you. But he's not played much for Glasgow, has he, this season? Not massively, no. Um, it, to be fair, any time he's played, he's looked really good. Um, I think he's... Did he start against the Dragons, I think? Um, and has come off the bench a few times. I am glad that we went with him. Um, because I, I think his kicking from hand is probably a little bit more accurate nowadays than meatballs. And that is going to be really important. Like you don't, you don't want to go loose against against Toulon because they will, they'll absolutely destroy you if if they get an opportunity. So, I'd even say, like going on from that, I think even George Horn's kicking's got to be pretty on point as well. Because arguably, say last game against Monster, it was quite wayward, and I think he was playing a bit too quick for everyone else to kind of catch up on. So, I think his box kicking is going to be super important. 
and alongside the chase afterwards. Yeah, be great. Yeah, send a shooter, but everyone else in behind that has to be as connected as humanly possible. Because like you say, Chess and Colby sniffs a gap, finds a, a mismatch in there with maybe some front five in the middle. He's, you know, waving past as he goes and, you know, is probably under the post somewhere. So, Johnny, how are you feeling after that? Do you feel positive? I'm I'm trying really hard to. Um, I am worried about the back three. I think I think Lisa's right about the back row being being a key, and I think if the back row is the key battleground, that Glasgow have got it because Olivon is a great player. Like there's no doubt that he is a world class talent, but I think that Dempsey and Matt Fagerson are better than Cornell Dupria and Sergio Parisi. So I think I think we probably I think I like I'm sorry I love Sergio as much as the next person, but he's also 350 years old, and Jack Dempsey will absolutely bulldoze him. Does Jack Dempsey know about the same age? Get away! I'm not having this with you again. Hard paper round. Hard paper round. <laughs> not as hard paper round as Brian Allen and races I had. Absolutely. The oldest young man in the world. Yeah, <laughs> we're all going to be. We're all going to be. He's got guys that play with Brian Allen. We see it in their eighties, and at that point, he'll look young. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Maybe he just won't age. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, I, I think when it, when we found out the teams, I thought Toulon was a pretty scary undertaking but actually now I've seen the actual two 23s it's going to be really tough but I didn't look at those two and go Jesus we're absolutely out of a chance here I think Glasgow have got a chance to win I just hope that um that it's it is a good game um obviously I, I you know um I'm looking for two one to win but no uh Glasgow will win um but the issue, what I'm concerned about is Toulon turn up uh, as a typical French team and just go nuts and throw it all away. Um, and and the problem we have is that a lot of the French teams nowadays have kind of banished that demon. Um, but Toulon, unfortunately, have said, no, no, we love that demon. We want to keep that demon. Um, so they, they, they'll either turn up and absolutely give Glasgow a run for their money or they'll, or they'll, they'll absolutely throw it away. Um, with a wild scything elbow to someone's face or something like that, you know. I I wouldn't rule out a red card fairly early. I couldn't tell you who it's going to be for, but it's definitely that's two team sheets that have got a couple of red cards. I was going to say Fraser Brown's on the park, so <laughs> and he's got a, and he's got a, a new contract as well, so he's feeling comfortable. <laughs> what better what better way to to see in a new contract than a red card in a European final? <laughs> <laughs> it's memorable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's got. Do you know what this game's got all over it? It's in the first five minutes. Cornell Dupria rockets over a breakdown uh, and goes shoulder first into Matt Fagerson's head. So Xander pulls him off the breakdown and pummels him and gets himself sent off. <laughs> I'm just waiting. On, I, I'll tell you what. I'm just waiting on Jamie Batty having an absolute superstar of a game and showing John <laughs> showing John that the Benjamins can start a European because thing. I've I've got the bat for Jamie Batty a lot this year when John starts talking his nonsense about him. I would <laughs> love him to have a brilliant game tomorrow. Man of the match, right there. I'm calling That'd it now. Jamie Batty, man of the match. 
<laughs> Jamie Batty, European Cup final, man of the match. I'm glad that Anderson's having a week off because we deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, is there has there been any other news from the world of Scottish rugby that, that I've missed this week? Because I feel like we've covered 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 a lot of it, and I know I haven't been here for the last couple of weeks. While I was without internet last week, did you talk about the devastating news that Sam Johnson is leaving Glasgow? I don't think it had been announced I, by that. I'm absolutely point. heartbroken by that. I don't know. If, I, Ian 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 Hayes absolutely devastated. It's a surprise. I think it was a surprise that he's gone. And they, yeah. have, have we found out where he's going to? Nothing yet. No, not yet. No. Yeah. It feels strange because he's still, in essence, in because although you've got that, although Scotland don't have a squad in the same way that England do, he he's still like, to, to in my mind, he's still kind of Scotland's kind of what second choice twelve. Yeah, so it feels very odd from to be going to like all of a sudden. Oh, by the way, Sam Johnson's leaving. So that kind of feels like a bit. Oh, okay, that's that's kind of out of the blue. To be fair, I just don't think he just he fitted in the Franco way of, way of things. To be honest, like we spoke, like he he's completely revolutionised the team culture there in terms of he's looking for guys who want to work hard, and that is expected. There's like a minimum standard of you will hit these levels. If you do not, you will not play for me. And I think he's maybe just not just not flavour of the month really under Franco and I think he's you know come to the right time of like actually I'm going to go cut cut like cut my teeth somewhere else and see if that will then potentially help my Scotland chances because when he, he needs to be playing and have some form of clips to you know have Gregor phone him up and be like here do I come along and have a couple of games I'm sure we read interviews in the past Craig but and, and I think the interesting thing with Sam Johnson when he's spoken in the past is he he's Said, I think that people sometimes, coaches sometimes perceive him as lazy because he's quite a laid back kind of guy. I know I've certainly I've managed people before, and I've had my big boss go and look. They, that you know that person's no no good. They're always kind of like sloping around, and they don't look like they're ever doing anything. I'm like, well, that's my hardest worker, just because they're laid back. They're kind of like got their feet up on the desk and don't look like they're doing anything. Actually, they're working really hard. And I wonder whether he falls into that trap a little bit of if you've got a coach like Franco Smith who maybe demands certain standards but you're a more laid back kind of guy who doesn't I don't know doesn't visibly look like they're doing a lot Yeah, might count against you a little bit yeah that's true but you know is is Franco Smith um, doing his best to get the best out of him and that's the that's the question because if you if you look at Sam Johnson, and fair enough, I was one of his harshest critics um, when we when we talked when we used to talk about him playing for Glasgow and playing for Scotland. But actually, he performed incredibly well for a good twelve to sixteen month sort of period within the Scotland squad and for Glasgow. He's maybe been tarnished a bit with the Danny the Danny Wilson squads, you know, squad style. Um, hoodoo that seems to be going around, but then Franco kept kept. He's just re-signed Fraser Brown, so you know it's it's it, it's it, he's obviously Fraser Brown shows him something that 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 um that he likes, and, and Sam Johnson hasn't. But uh, unless Sam Johnson's decided that he wants to move and he wants somewhere fresh, you know that could be it as well. So yeah, I mean, the thing is, Johnny, it's. I wonder if he kind of perhaps loses out a little bit in kind of the way that 
Gregor Townsend has almost come back full circle as to where he started as Scotland coach. That you know, he started with kind of like I want two playmakers at 10 and 12, have the whole fit. Fin- you had Finn Russell and, and Pete Horn to start with at the start of the Gregor Townsend era. Then that wasn't quite working. So then we, we had Sam Johnson come in as kind of the crash ball hitting up off Finn. And that worked really well in a few games. And now we're right back at okay, we've got Sione at 12 kind of doing kicking and distributing again. And I wonder if kind of sat that that's what Sam Johnson loses out a little bit on. Yeah. Um he's he's never been a huge playmaker, Sammy J. Um but that hard runner makes yards when everything goes wrong in the midfield sort of twelve. He's been really, really, really successful at. And as much as Siori is good at that, Sammy was brilliant at it. And and there will be games that Scotland have to play, probably at the World Cup, where you're going to want someone that can do that. So to be losing him from Glasgow and have no idea where he's going three months before the World Cup makes me wonder, you know, are we going to be wishing that we had him come September time? Maybe he's yeah. going to turn up somewhere and, and play his way back into the squad, you never know. But um, he does offer something a little bit different to what the other centres do. So I'd be keeping a close eye on where he lands up. He's not in the Scotland squad, though, the World Cup training squad, is not he? Not in this one, no. no. Him, he's not, and, and neither is Hutch, which is um, yeah, a bit strange. Yeah. Gone are the days of wild World Cup, Cup calls for Scotland. Like, uh, who is it? Uh, who was the guy, lad that that Vern Cotter signed, basically signed for Scotland, but no other pro team played in the World Cup warm-ups? Oh, it was oh no, <sighs> that's not who I thought it was. He played a couple. Of, I think he. I don't think he actually. Yeah. Turned, he, he ended up playing this for Scotland sevens, and he didn't. I, I think exactly. he. I don't think he ever. He, he was on the Ember squad for a while. Then he played. He played oh. centre for Glasgow in a couple of games. Then went not, on the sevens tour. Was it next something? Oh, I can't remember. He played more games for Melrose, I think, than he ever did for Glasgow. <laughs> you make me think it's Nick McLennan, but I don't think it's him. It's not making it's really irritating. It's really annoying me because he played really well. And the games he did play in the World Cup moments, he actually played reasonably well. Um Well, I was gonna say, I forgot to say that I did I did notice that Nathan Macbeth is on the uh is on the, the bench for Glasgow. Um mm-hmm. and uh you know uh, Hugh Blake. Actually, I'm oh, yes, There's an answer, pub, pub quiz answer at some point. Glasgow have got big bench again for tomorrow night. Slight, slightly smaller than the last time because the last time we went big bench, it was with JP Dupree on the bench, and this week he's starting and Richie Gray's on the bench. So slightly smaller, but still big. One thing I do want to know, and and I'm, I, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to listen back to the last two weeks of podcasts, is did did we talk about Greg Laidlaw's retirement? I haven't had a chance oh. to talk about it yet. Oh, no, let's talk about it. Re- I don't know if a I'm ready. A little bit. That's not enough, Craig. <laughs> Simply not enough. A little bit is not I, enough. I, I, listen, he's not here, so let's just blame John Anderson as much I've as I've been we can. checking the titles. I was expecting. I, was, I looked at the titles of the podcast and I thought, he's not properly addressed Greg Laidlaw retiring from rugby. It's outrageous <laughs> for this podcast. I honestly don't, I don't know if I'm ready to do it yet. It's I'm, too emotional. I'm, it's too emotional. It is. Too, too soon. Well, the thing is, he's going to... He's going into he's going into coaching, so maybe he's coming back to save Edinburgh. Oh, and they just, they just they just don't yeah, because actually, what you want to do now you've just realised that that the last Scotland scrum half didn't work out as a coach is to then move on to just the next one and see how that goes. 
hey, listen, you should don't do, you, you definitely do don't that. You, don't you dare throw any shade on Mr. Greg. I'm not. Don't I'm not. I'm throwing shade on Edinburgh. You will have an entire nation come at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not throwing shade on Edinburgh. I love well, like, like, like Johnny's scared of that. He's got the Irish and Welsh and, uh, oh, and the South <laughs> Africans. Oh, let me think. The only thing is, the only thing is limiting him having the French at him is because he doesn't speak French, a lot of French. So I could uh, translate my tweet about how I've always hated too long into French if you want. Oh, crack on, Johnny. You should well start for too long. <laughs> We'll we'll do we'll do I tell you what we'll do a Patreon we're going to do a Patreon special just about Greg Laidlaw over the summer. That's, that's, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that's yeah. how that's how we'll address it. I'll look my black suit out. Yeah, <laughs> still on it. Genuinely, I think will be should be remembered as one of Scotland's greatest players. Not appreciated well, this time. That's what I'd come. That's fantastic. what I'd come. Yeah. I tell you what, he got a, he he got a help. No matter what anybody says about about um his uh, his pace of rock ball. He got uh, Scotland a fair few wins with his boot, um, and uh, he should be celebrated um, a huge amount. I still maintain that the Lions would have won the third test against New Zealand if Laidlaw come off the bench. Hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, we'll park that. We are. We'll do a proper full tribute to Mr. Greg over the summer. <laughs> um, that's the end of the podcast this week. I hope I, I hope all the Glasgow fans feel like we gave them a proper go, a, a proper good, uh, you know, analysis. In the end, it's almost like I was te- I was trying to get people to listen to the full podcast, Johnny. You see, it's all about monetizing, getting people to listen to the ads in the middle section, right? So people had to sit through all the other stuff to get to the Glasgow thing. They'll all be fast forwarding well, to get do you there, know what? but it'll help our stats for our listen through uh, rates. If that's what you want to do. Uh, Craig gave me possibly the worst opinion I've ever heard about anything earlier today, and I'm keeping that for Patreon. Right. On that note, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Um, we'll, um, If Glasgow win, we'll talk in detail about the appointment of another white man from the financial background from uh, for this uh, chair of the Scottish Rugby Board. If Glasgow lose, then we'll spend an entire hour talking about that the game uh, and how wonderful Toulon are. I think another bus is about to crash into our internet exchange, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you a dongle, Johnny. (laughs) You got in trouble for that the last time. (laughs) And on that note, it's goodbye from me, (laughs) goodbye from Johnny, Lisa and Craig. Bye all. Bye. Bye. Bye.